We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. A little more pep in our step today versus last night. I, I haven't been that deflated after a Giants game in a while as I was last night. But reality situation. Like these balls last night. <laughs> there you go. I like that. The, the, the honest you know, realization of it is just this is where we're at and you know, as we go through today's offensive film, that's what this podcast is today, a breakdown of the all 22 coaches film, which Nick and I unfortunately had to watch and it was grueling, disgusting, terrible. As we go through this, it's reminiscent of the Jake Fromm era, Nick, I would say, but in some ways, bad. even more, what'd you say? I don't think it's that bad, but it's, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Well, I was going to say it's even more depressing personally, because at least in that area i knew they had a coordinator who was dead in dead in the water terrible coordinator rigid nothing going on there versus now where i'm like these are supposed to be the coaches that i believe in can scheme offense and i understand that me and you understand how hard it is to scheme offense no matter who you are as a coach if this is your situation with this offensive line and with tommy devito at quarterback but i still just had a little bit more expectations i guess i should say for an actual coaching staff with talent and you know, proven track record of good film from a schematic standpoint versus whatever was left with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett there. I know they fired Garrett, right? During that, I can't even remember. I'm pretty sure he was fired, but there was nothing going on. They weren't going to change the offense in the middle of the season. They were still using his playbook. You don't remember so, the Freddie Kitchens years? <laughs> yeah, Freddie Kitchens, the game. So, you know, Nick, it's funny. I was thinking about this today. There might be a light at the end of this tunnel, and that light might be really bright brighter than anything we've experienced as fans and analysts since 2011. And that light, if it is at its brightest, would be the Giants selecting one of these quarterbacks in the draft, that quarterback playing as well as C.J. Stroud has early, and then continuing his success throughout his career, becoming a Burrow, Allen, Mahomes type. That's like the bright light that might be there at the end of the tunnel. That light is not guaranteed. And while that light will make all of this worth it in the end and then more, it is rough to go through these seasons as far as covering the team versus being a fan. When I was just a fan of this team, Nick, and these types of seasons happened, I was able to accept it fast and I was able to move forward with it because I'm not personally one of those people who's like, I got to fight hard every week and I, I need my to see my team win. I'm one of those people who's always been about what's the long-term plan for this team. What's the long-term prognosis? How do we move toward my goal when my goal is 
to be competitive for a Super Bowl every year, not to be a team that can grind out wild card spots. So these seasons never bother me then. But as someone who covers the team, Nick, and one of the things we do covering the team is watch the film of this team and break down the film. That's like the main thing and the biggest thing that we do. It makes the season a lot worse, and it almost makes me feel like that light at the tunnel may never be bright enough. And it is. It is. Look, if they hit quarterback, it's fine, and it'll be even better. But it's just like this is just crazy that we've done this now for only a few years, you and I. Four, five, it's our fifth year. Or is it our sixth year? 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Our fifth year. And we've had two two half seasons now. We're going to have a full half season now and then the Fromm days where we're just watching film of just incompetent looking football from every standpoint. And yes, they tried to run more of an offense in the Fromm days, but the expectation is they should have been able to do something more. I looked at this tape, Nick, and then I sorted it by EPA, which I can do on true media. The three highest EPA plays the giants had on offense last year Two, the first two came with 51 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter down 42 to seven with all Cowboys backups in. And then the next one was middle of the game, but you know what it was? It was a freaking 19 yard scramble by the quarterback when he saw man. Like, that's not like that's the state of what we just watched on tape. And it's it's becomes really frustrating. I tried to focus in on Thomas. I know you did. I tried to focus in on John Michael Schmitz. I personally am giving every receiver on this roster a pass with this kind of quarter I play. I don't find anything valuable from what I saw with them, though I tried to watch their routes. But man, Nick, like I, I just wonder how you feel about where we're at now with 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 this type of season and we have another eight games of film to watch like this or seven, whatever it is. Yeah, it's seven games of film. And Dan, we've been talking about this now for the last couple of weeks. It's a lost season. We're turning the page of the draft that we still have to do our due diligence and cover this and go through the film and try to find um, pieces of, I don't want to say inspiration. I think that's uh, going a little bit overboard, but just like kernels of something to be proud of moving forward and something to build upon. And I think you found some of that with John Michael Schmitz, who had a solid game, nothing too spectacular. I had one really nice rep I put on Twitter against uh, Mozzie Smith. One of the things I love about John Michael Schmitz is sometimes he doesn't necessarily have to be beat, but when he reacts to a move, how he's able to kind of unleash all of his strength with his subsequent move to counteract the counter move of the defender. I know that was kind of a mouthful there, but that's what happened on that Mozzie Smith play. Like he stepped, put all of his weight on his right foot and then Mozzie Smith tried going left. How John Michael Schmidt is able to explode off of that right foot and then just throw Mozzie Smith to the ground, a 330 pound, like big, strong yeah. lineman takes a lot of core strength, a lot of lower body strength and a lot of explosiveness to do that. So, I felt like John Michael Schmitz on that one specific play did a good job. And one more thing, too, before we get into the film, and this will apply to the defensive podcast as well. My audio is going to suck a little bit. I got my Shure SM7B all packed up. I have a lot of my equipment packed up, so I'm just going off of the iMac right now. Not a great situation, or the MacBook, I should say, their microphone and their camera. So just for the for the audio, I do apologize. But all in all, man, the Cowboys defense didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, that's what we were talking about before the pod. It just, they didn't do anything. It's not like they looked at this, like, and that's the interesting thing, Nick. It's like, we've seen so many Wink Martindale game plans against some of these lesser experienced quarterbacks be so like, wow, look at all these things he was doing. The Cowboys saw Danny DeVito, or I'm sorry, Tommy DeVito on their schedule. And they're just like, F it. We don't need to do anything. <laughs> like, it's not like they had some like game plan to try to take him. And they did some things obviously, but it's like, like you said, they didn't really reinvent the wheel. They ran what's been successful for them knowing that no matter what they do, it's going to work. And the Giants offense right now is so vanilla. 
Everything is quick yes, game. It's yes, West yes. Coast, Western Conference. But there's nothing wrong with that. But the shot plays that they have dialed off of play action, teams know exactly what the Giants are doing. Right. Oh, Jalen Hyatt's on the field. Oh, it's a play action pass. I'm a cornerback with no primary responsibility. I'm going to flash my eyes to the opposite side of the field where number 13 is, and I'm going to undercut that deep post route. Because this is what the Giants do. They run deep Yankee concepts. And it's not reinventing the wheel. And I know that they're going to try to hit Jalen Hyatt because Jalen Hyatt is going to have what they think is inside leverage with no help because the middle of the field close safety is biting down on the deep horizontal route. But what I'm going to do as this cornerback on the outside is I'm going to sink underneath it. And that's exactly what happened on the interception with the Ron Bland. Great read. You could tell he saw that on film in the previous week where Tommy DeVito right. threw an interception and the Raiders player, I think it was Amik Robertson worked, or no, Amik Robertson intercepted it. The other player, Marcus Peters, worked underneath it. Amik Robertson ended up intercepting the pass because it was an underthrown ball. This one wasn't even really underthrown. It was just a very good play by the yeah. defense. The Giants aren't fooling anybody. And even when they try to get creative, and I'm not necessarily putting the coaching staff on blast, although they do deserve some blame. I think they are completely hamstruck or hamstrung. They have, you know, basically handcuffs on while they're trying to call plays with yes. their current quarterback situation. But they bring in this wildcat package. And you know, in like their minds are like, oh, we're gonna, you know, try something different. And the defenses don't give a shit. They tried it with the Packers play that they ran last right. week against the Raiders. Daniel Bellinger. Look, I love that play. It was like a Philly special variation. It worked against the Green Bay Packers. The Raiders like laughed at it. They were like, okay, really? Yeah, we're going to cover the quarterback, and then we're going to cover Daniel Bellinger, and we're going to tackle. And it's just none of the trick plays, if you will. They're not tricking anybody at this point. No. And I can understand why, because the Giants aren't threatening anybody. If you're a defense, just call the defense. You, yes, you have to have some protection on the backside. Call the defense from 10 yards to the line of scrimmage. Defend that. Sure. And you're good against this team because the offense just can't do anything. And that's been the case for defending the Giants dating back to the start of this year and dating back to the divisional round. But it's only it's only more exaggerated now because, you know, at least there was some respect for what Daniel Jones could do from a throwing standpoint. There's no respect for what Tommy DeVito can do from a passing standpoint. There just doesn't seem to be or appear to be any respect in that regard. Um, and in general, I mean, people don't realize this as much, Nick, but there's also like mechanics behind this that no one thinks about. Like DeVito didn't have reps. Like his, his dude is like just getting reps with these guys. He has no rapport with any of these receivers. He doesn't really know the playbook that well. I'm sure he knows it, but like, he doesn't know it. Like Daniel Jones knows it, right? He doesn't have the same checks that Daniel Jones had. Not that Daniel Jones did a great job making checks in the line of scrimmage anyway, to be completely honest and understanding things pre-snap, but he did a better job than DeVito could do. He's had five years in the NFL with a shit ton of reps. This guy is just plucked into the mix from a practice squad until the Tyrod injury and the Jones injury, and now asked to operate in offense against NFL caliber def defenses. And it's not great. And it looked a little better against the Raiders because the Raiders aren't the Cowboys defense. And they can, you know, and, you know, they play pretty soft in that second half, to be honest, Patrick Graham. The Cowboys weren't interested in that. The Cowboys with Jerry Jones have forever looked to embarrass the Giants. It was a 42, whatever, seven game or 35. They put on another touchdown drive. Why? Why were they on the field there trying to score points? I don't know, but they were. I think they went for it on fourth and one or two with Cooper Rush in the game, if I'm not mistaken, just trying to pour it on and embarrass the Giants. And because of that, there wasn't much room for, for Tommy DeVito to operate as a passer. But I think we've put to bed the idea, Nick, with these games that Tommy DeVito has any sort of long-term upside as a QB2 for the Giants. I know there was some hope for that in the preseason. 
I hope people have learned a lesson about overestimating the preseason through all of our examples that we've had and training camp through all of our examples that we had. Doesn't mean Nick and I won't cover it. We will continue to cover it and look into it, but we will take it with a grain of salt and understand that what really matters is the film of the regular season and postseason football games. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I know this season has been rough, gross, disgusting, and of course, disappointing. But I find Solace through Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. I just pick two to six players' stat projections, select more or less on those projections, and I watch the winnings roll in. It's simple, easy, fun, and their flex play options allow you to win on, say, two out of three selections instead of all three. I choose this option often because I'm a coward. You could be a coward too and capitalize on a higher probability to win. And now with basketball season here, you can select pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made plus receptions. Let's bank on that. Plus, PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. One of the many reasons why they've earned the tagline, daily fantasy sports may when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Made easy. So please go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash banter and use the code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit-style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like, I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all-time high. You're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. I use the Game Time app. The Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games having a good time and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup final week one this past season. I used the game time app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas, saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the game time app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their videotapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view, not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view. It's an actual image. You know what you're getting. Lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get event event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress of, with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER. B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off. Down- Yeah, 100%. It's always about the regular season, but you still pay attention to the preseason. It's just a completely different animal, as as we all know. And the Cowboys, man, defensively, look, playing against this Giants offense, you just come out with five-man fronts. Right. Build the wall. Come run through here, Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Attempt to. And the Giants, like we said, West Coast concepts, spacing concepts, trying to find the voids in a – in a second level at a second level where there's not as many defenders because they're aligning with these five man fronts, the giants hit on a couple of those. And then there were also just 
defenders playing top down, really aggressive right. catch point on the Daniel Bellinger play on a couple other ones as well. So it's just really hard for the Giants to maintain anything. And then from a blocking standpoint, there's just a lot of twists. It's not even like Dallas had to blitz, bro. They don't have to blitz. Let's they just don't. run it. And you know what? The Giants better at picking up some of those twists than, than in previous games. But what is that bar set at? If we're going to be honest, yeah, and that yeah, bar right. is it's core of the earth. It's so damn low. And that's dating back to since we've been doing this podcast when Will Hernandez was a guard here with the New York Giants. But Dallas just had to slant and twist and they would find a way to penetrate. Tommy DeVito would try to use his legs. Tommy DeVito, you know, credit to him for, for taking some of them hits. But it, again, he's not he shouldn't be an NFL starter. He shouldn't be starting an NFL game. Something has gone completely wrong yeah. with your season if Tommy DeVito is out there preparing for a Dallas Cowboys game in Jerry World. Sure. And we saw that. And, you know. Like you said, it was it was a rough it was rough to watch just as a Giants analyst or film you know fan even just to see your team get just absolutely shit can like that um, over and over and you see it so much on the tape right like you see just it's so much worse somehow on the tape than the broadcast because the broadcast at least dude like I can tell you with certainty and I don't care who hears this and judges me for it I tuned out some of it I watched it I kept it on but I was passively watching for this whole and basically the whole second half lap yesterday. Who wouldn't, who would blame me for that? I would hope no one. But when you watch the film, you're actively looking for things. You're trying to see, did this guy make this block? Did this guy make this catch? Did this guy run this route? And then you have to really watch it and you can really see what you're saying. And I think you boiled down perfectly. They've been slacked into running this super basic offense because they can't trust a veto from a mental processing standpoint to do anything else. And why should they, or why should he, he's a UDFA. He wasn't getting any reps in the preseason. Like, don't be like, Oh, look at what CG shroud is running with Houston. He's a, he's a rookie. Yeah. The dude, they tailored the whole offense around him. No one on the giants tailored their offense around Tommy DeVito. And there's, and they're sure they asked him like, what concepts do you like to run? But it's like, there's only so much you can go. There's only so far you can go with that. Dude, I love what Houston's doing with Stroud. Cause not even yeah. everything, that you just said during the draft right after they selected this right. dude they're like yo you want tank Dell?" and he's like yo i, I yes, want this him. is the guy i want the guy look I at the rapport they've built already him and tank Dell, who we love tank Dell, and is looking like going to be an absolute steal by the texans in the second round did they get him in was it late two or it was, was early it early third or late two? early three i think it was early three early three right before the giants got hired yeah, it was definitely before I had. I definitely know that, uh, though. I think the Giants would have taken Hyatt anyway over Tank Dell, but just based on pre-draft rumblings, who knows from that standpoint. But Tank Dell is certainly, as you described, Nick, more than just a slot receiver. That's Giants um, definitely would have took Hyatt over Dell because they, I think they would have not taken Hyatt in the second round. In the second round, right. Yeah. So I think they had him ranked higher on their board for what they were looking for. And it doesn't make too, it's not all that, you know, surprising considering they had Wandell Robinson on the roster, though. I, I think Dang Dow's proving everyone that he's not just some guy. You got to stick on the inside. You can play him on the outside. He can win basically everywhere. He's like we said during draft season, he was one of the only guys we watched. That was in my opinion, at least this, this is not Nick's opinion. This is my opinion. That was a consistent winner on all three levels, the short, the intermediate and the vertical plane. And I didn't see too many receivers who could do that in this draft class. He was one of them. And he fell into the third round. Great job. Might have been one of those guys where I was like, like an Eli Moore from a couple years ago. I was like, yeah. this is a Dan Schneier guy. You he said that. You said you literally, we can go back to the tape, go back yeah. to the podcast tape from March. You said before we got to him, you're like, you're going to love this guy. And you were right. I did love that kind of player. And I did love Eli Moore, who hasn't been that good yet. But I think circumstances are, are not so great for him out there. Um, but anyway, back to this, back to the Giants. It just, it's hard. This always goes back to what I what we've said a lot in this podcast in the last two weeks, Nick. It's very hard for me to judge this coaching staff with the circumstances. It just is, and it will be. And that's 
you know, goes to a lot of things, but one of them being quarterbacks, 95% of what works in the NFL and what doesn't work in my opinion. That's not Nick's opinion. It's just my opinion. So when you're stuck with this, it's very hard to make things look good. I agree. Now, if we want to try to feel better, we can look across the city at our fellow Jet fans. Right. Yeah. Look, they spent the second overall pick on Zach Wilson. I get that he has more traits than Tommy DeVito. But is it crazy to at least think, are those offenses completely different if you were to just insert Tommy DeVito? No, it's a fair point. Right. Maybe they are a little, like Zach Wilson can do a little bit more than that. But if you're talking about a UDFA in the second overall pick yeah. just from a couple drafts ago, that is a colossal disaster. And you yep. can say what you want about Daniel Jones, and we were critical of Daniel Jones on this podcast. I don't think the Giants should have took him six overall. I made that clear. Daniel Jones has a lot more to offer than a Zach Wilson. For sure, yeah. And Jones, that's, that's something that's, you know, with Wilson, I think I saw a stat yesterday. The Jets went 35, and this is still a running stat. Jets have gone 35 straight offensive possessions without a score, without a touchdown. And right. before that, you know what their touchdown was? Um, On offense, the Brees Hall play. The Brees yeah. Hall play, which was a shit dump down by the quarterback where Brees Hall just housed it against the Giants for 50. So before that, the Jets have gone over a month without stringing together a multiple play touchdown drive because that was a one play touchdown drive dump off the Brees Hall. And that's basically the only thing that works for the Jets. Throw throw it wildly to Garrett Wilson in his vicinity and he'll catch it or screens to Hall, which they've that's one thing, though. I will say this. This just brings me back to the Giants. They should be figuring out a way to run screens, in my opinion. Yes, I know they like that's the thing. Like when you're a shit offense like this and you have a, such a limitation at quarterback, like like the Jets do and like the Giants do now with DeVito. The Jets are like smart. They're like, all right, we're at least calling like screens a lot. And they hit on like a screen a game. Brees Hall takes a big screen every single game, it feels like. Like the Giants should be trying to run screens. I know they haven't blocked them that well in the past few years, but like at this point, try to run some screens. Try to run shit like that. Like just running a simple West Coast offense like this with like spacing concepts and quick game with DeVito when the entire defense is sitting on all that shit is just not going to work. We've already seen them try to run quick game with Daniel Jones when the entire defense is sitting on everything. Jones is a much better player than Tommy DeVito, and he could get the ball out there a lot better, faster and more accurately. It can work. It worked at times with Jones against like, you know, Ed Donatel's defense, but Imagine it ever working with a DeVito. It's not going to. So I do kind of blame the coaches in that regard for not trying to. But even then, it's like, okay, we mix in some screens. Now what? That's what they'll say to you. Like, that's what they would say to me. Like, okay, we gave you your screens. It worked maybe once and it failed three times. Fine. That's still a net positive for us. Now what? We can't run screen every play. Yeah, you can't. And one thing about screens, and especially when the Giants run them, it's almost yeah. always a negative play. It is. We have so many negative screens somehow. And you're not you're not really seeing that much pressure to begin with because you're going to pressure yeah. Tommy DeVito, and yeah. there's so much eyes on 26. So if you're going to run that to Saquon Barkley, they're going to play it out well. I don't know why the Giants, from a blocking standpoint, are never in position to execute these screens. Like the timing is just always off. Like what? It's so frustrating when I watch these Island games, man, and I see like. I know. Or I see another offense and they hit on a screen and the blocking is just perfect and the safeties right. get engulfed and there's like defense, defensive backs getting blocked like way out of the screen. You're just like, yep. how can't we ever figure that out? It's been five years on this podcast. I don't know if you and I have ever like, wow, you see that screen? That was crazy. Nope. I think like the best screen they had was on like a third and 28 to Saquon Barkley that went for like 21 yards and they had to punch yep. any. 
movies. Yeah, like, I remember usually. one from like Barclays, like 2018 and 29, like way back, but not with the not in any any recent years. It is wild that that you you're right. Like we watch these island games and people are executing screens. And it is like it's a thing. It's like the timing is always the problem with the giant screens. Why is the timing so bad for us? I don't understand that. Like, why is the timing so much worse for the Giants than all these other teams? So it's odd. almost like it's almost like the defense knows the Giants are running it. Because but they never call it, so how should they know? <laughs> well, no, I don't know. But it is also, too, man, there's always just one player that screws up. It's like one yeah. player that screws up. It's like Andrew Thomas has his guy dialed in. The play side guard has his guy dialed in, and then the center will mess up or yeah. something like that. You know, it's, it's wildly frustrating. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, let's get into some of these plays that we have on tape from this week. We'll break them down. Yes, let's get into some of these plays. First one we're going to go over. Quarter one, 633, a second and nine. So before we run the play, I want you to look at the Dallas Cowboys defensive front. We have Micah Parsons, who is off the line of scrimmage by about a yard or so, kind of in the A-gap, but more so directly over the guard. Look at Mozzie Smith. Do you see anything that kind of stands out about Mozzie Smith? I'm, I'm looking at him right now if you're watching on YouTube. He's slightly off the line of scrimmage, right? Like you can kind of tell, right? He's slightly back. Well, watch what the Cowboys do here. And luckily this was a handoff because if this was a pass, Tommy DeVito would have got absolutely murdered. And I like this little creative, this little creative adjustment by Dan Quinn because Mozzie Smith is aligned outside the ass of a one technique. And he is a three technique. And the, the, um, what Dan Quinn wanted to happen was this one technique to shoot directly through the A-gap. And that's exactly what happened. And Mozzie Smith was going to loop right into the opposite A-gap. Since Micah Parsons was chilling near that other, the other opposite A-gap, right? And you had 99 and 90. If it was a six-man protection and it was a pass, there would have been three Giants offensive players who were going to be in pass protection. And there could have been a free run directly at Tommy DeVito. Luckily, this was a handoff. And then uh, Mozzie Smith ends up making the play anyways. This is the play where Andrew Thomas ends up getting rolled up on. But I just thought it was interesting how Mozzie Smith was probably going to have like an easy sack with no one to take him except for maybe Saquon Barkley if this was a pass play on a second and nine. Yeah, it was really creative to watch. And oh, I just hate seeing the end of that play with Andrew Thomas. So yeah, I don't luckily, he, he's like fine from this. Apparently he came back in the game, played through the game. Hopefully he's fine. And there's no further damage that can be done from playing him this season. But yeah, I thought that was creative. That was an interesting breakdown. Yeah, it was a little interesting play. And then now we have first and 10 Tommy DeVito. This is, I think the third drive started the third drive, recognizing the blitz and throwing hot to the field side, just a field side flat. You can see DeVito quickly diagnosed number one coming on the blitz, meaning that the safety would have to rotate down over Paris Campbell. You can see the space between Paris Campbell, the number two receiver to the field and that safety. And it's just a quick slant flat convert pick up about only six yards, but still Tommy DeVito recognizing the blitz is coming, yep. reacting, getting the football out of his hand accurately, which isn't something that he did on these field side throws. He missed like, I think one or two to Saquon Barkley that were really bad, like way behind him ball wasn't tipped, or at least it didn't appear to be tipped to me. So this one was a good play by the kid. Yeah. It was a good example of ball placement, maximizing yak too. look at where that ball is thrown. This is what you want on these hot plays moving forward for whoever plays quarterback for the giants. You want that ball to be placed there. So the receiver can just turn right up field. The giants had a bunch of these throws earlier in the season that were misplaced or placed in bad spots that required the receivers to turn around fully lose their momentum and not be able to turn up field. Now we're going to have the fourth and two play. This is the Tommy DeVito's dad in the stand saying, that was your play call on fourth and three. No, so no, no, no. If you're going to do it, you got to get it right. What? 
What did he say? That was your play call on fourth and tree. You know he's not pronouncing the, oh. the H of the three. You know tree. the three what came out of his that? mouth. On fourth and tree, you know he's, th- he's saying tree, not three. He's definitely a tree guy. Did you see him up in those stands? He was I so did. North Jersey Italian. You want to know what's funny about uh, tree being referred to yeah. as three? That's what you say on the radio in the military. when you're, Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you say tree. Interesting. Every yeah, you have a different emphasis for certain numbers because you want to be really correct and really okay. direct when you're uh, typing in coordinates to be bombed. But that's okay. a conversation for another day. Here is a fourth and two, thirteen twenty-eight left. This was an RPO, and I don't think I realized this until I watched the tape. Now I don't know if Tommy DeVito could have threw this ball, but Paris Campbell is open. So Paris yeah. Campbell motions from the double Y side to the field side. And then Tommy DeVito hikes it, and it's an RPO, and he's reading both of those guys who are coming down. Man, nobody takes Paris Campbell. Who actually right. takes him is on the opposite side of the field. But Tommy DeVito hands this football off, and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't know if he can get the football to Paris Campbell with two defenders respecting Tommy DeVito kind of in the passing lane. And if you look, they both stay put, meaning Saquon Barkley should have the opportunity to pick up those two yards to move the sticks or possibly get in the end zone, but the blocking kind of breaks down. And also I think I have this from the end zone angle. If we watch, we'll see it just a really good play by this um, Dallas defensive lineman, but you can see Paris Campbell come open here. Yeah. And the, now, not gonna, the Dallas defender is not going to be able to get over the top, but it would definitely require a change in the arm slot from DeVito to throw that ball over those defenders. And both of those defenders stayed too. Yeah. So, that's your tell to hand the football off. But right. watch number 96, who is like a two-eye shade, or yeah, a two-eye shade. And you can see how he goes around. So almost takes himself out of the A-gap. Goes around Marcus McKethan, but that is such a difficult transition. McKethan leaves it a little bit early. He tries to transition that defensive lineman to Justin Pugh because Andrew Thomas isn't in the game at this point. And you can yep. see how Justin Pugh never really fully got his hands on this defensive lineman. The defensive lineman just crashed down the line of scrimmage. And you also had Demarcus Lawrence from the backside just tossed Tyree Phil. Oh my God, that's just rough, man. I'm hoping his feet got tripped up. I, yeah, his feet did get tripped up, but it doesn't look good <laughs> uh, on yeah. the tape. It does not look good, but it was an RPO call. It wasn't just a bland zone read for what it's worth. I like to say this too, because I'm just to pause for a second and talk a little bit about the Giants overall. I tried this game for from my standpoint when watching the offensive film, Nick. My only real focus was on the offensive line. Again, I've made mention of this in the past, but I am a personal believer that I can't judge these receivers based on any of the tape with Tommy DeVito. I just don't find it to be real offense, and I don't really judge them if they're not producing. But the O-line is something I will always be looking at, and I actually felt like Tyree Phillips had a pretty solid game, Nick. wanted to get your take on that. I don't know if I would say he had a solid game. Uh, okay. I don't know if the offensive line in general had a solid game. They didn't. <laughs> I think actually I was going to highlight this play by John Michael Schwartz. I think Ben Bredesen probably had the worst game if I had to highlight a um, an offensive okay. lineman. Uh, I didn't like. I didn't love the right side of the line though. Okay. All what right. was your take, Ready? On who? On Bredesen. Oh, on Bredesen. I definitely thought he had one of his worst games as well. I wasn't. I wasn't high on him. I guess I. I had in my notes that I thought John Michael Schmitz had some good plays here. Thomas was great when he was in the game. That's just who he is, even playing hurt. But I actually thought that that Phillips had a or Tyree Phillips had an okay game. I thought specifically as a run blocker, he made some good plays there. But yeah, you know, I could be remembering like one offs of bad pass blocking. Oh, reps. he had some bad, really bad reps too. Yeah, yeah that's probably what I'm ascribing 
to his entire game just because I'm not focusing in on Tyree Phillips the, for like every yeah, single Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I didn't think he was bad as a run blocker. I'm more so referring to, to pass blocking, as I yep. tend to do uh, often with, with the offensive line because it's so damn valuable. And yeah, we all default to that, and I think that's fair. Now, watch this block by John Michael Schmitz. This is the same fourth and two play. He uproots 97. I get it's yeah. a double team. Ben Bredesen engages 97 first, but it, to me, it seems like the power really comes from when 61 makes contact with that yeah. inside hip of 97. 97 goes flying. And then there's one thing we love about John Michael Schmitz, how he transitions, man. He transitions yeah. and he puts 33 down on the ground as well. Very, just very good rep and also just very smooth with his hips and his location ability. Like, I'm really glad the Giants have this kid. I wish the Giants were more exciting so we could – you know, really break them down with, sure. with some um, with some life instead of being like, oh, this is a good block. <laughs> but, you know, John Michael Schmitz, we're talking about him. Here's a second and two. This is that 19-yard run that you were just bringing up about 15 minutes ago by Tommy DeVito. This is that play that I was mentioning. Watch how he just transitions all of his weight on the left foot and then just buries Mozzie Smith to open up this lane. Biggest so play of the game for the Giants, right? I think I want to say it was, yes. Uh, no, no, Saquon Barkley had a, uh, had oh, a yeah. couple explosive runs but watch watch the framing by john michael schmidt so mozzie smith opens up moves to his right john michael schmidt's right in front of him and then mozzie smith attempts to work back through the inside of john michael schmidt's and he uses a power move that gets john michael schmidt's one leg up in the air like hey i have the advantage right now if i'm the defender that's what i'm thinking right but then john michael schmidt is able to reset that foot and then just follow through with such strength and power so that's that's one of the things that i absolutely loved about uh watching jms in this game yeah without a doubt all right now we're just going to see some really good play side blocking by andrew thomas and daniel bellinger two really good run blockers this is a 21 yard rush by saquon barkley and they're going to do it to micah parsons it's just smooth transition right there to allow saquon barkley to have a lane to rush up the sidelines and you could see how um we used to call this a tip block uh tight end and tackle so mm -hmm. tight end blocks, outside shoulder. Andrew Thomas makes contact. And you can see how Daniel Bellinger just smoothly transitions. He gets his eyes on 33, as you can see right here. And now he comes off and he allows Andrew Thomas to assume the entire block of Micah Parsons. And you can see how Micah Parsons, one of the best defensive players in the league, he can't separate from Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas just has him right in his grasp. Saquon Barkley runs right past him. Daniel Bellinger gets up to 33, picks him, which also picks a pursuing defender, allowing Saquon to run for 21 yards. One of the better plays by the Giants offense. Yeah, one of, that was one of the moments in this game where you felt like, okay, this is something they practiced and they executed it perfectly. And you have Thomas, that's going to be a player of the future. You have Bellinger, that's going to be a player of the future. This is a good-looking play for the Giants. We don't know who the running back will be, but, you know, if it's Saquon, bless it. Good blocking, too, by uh, – I really wanted to um, highlight this. I think that's Wandale Robinson. Yeah. Too. Wandale Robinson, man, he's small, but he – He's feisty out there as a blocker. That's something I've noticed kind of all season a little bit. I'm like, man, he's really throwing his little body around there, dude. And he's a bad props to him, dude. It's a physical player. Physical player. Now, here's the touchdown to Lawrence Cager. I like this play call. I think it's smart in a reduced area where you have just a lot of Cowboys bodies. It's on about the 10-yard line. Cager is going to motion from outside the numbers to right behind Daniel Bellinger, and the snap is going to happen. And that's going to – the motion is going to bring Stefan Gilmore from, you know, the bottom of the numbers to slightly inside the top of the numbers. And he's going to back off as he reads the number two's release, which is Daniel Bellinger, and nobody takes Lawrence Cager. And Lawrence Cager just gets into the flat. Look, you run a lot of cover three. You run a lot of uh, cover four and quarters and stuff like that. Flats are going to be open, and 
the Giants were able to find some space, you know, it was really rare for, uh, for their first points of the game. Yeah. Again, good ball placement here from Tommy DeVito to get it on the outside, uh, shoulder for Cager so he can just transition right up field. Um, anywhere else, if that ball's thrown, this won't be a touchdown. You know what I was thinking too, as I watched Lawrence Cager score this touchdown, I was like, bro, like think about how many giants receivers don't have touchdowns this year. I know Darius Slayton doesn't have a touchdown, right? No. Gary Slayton doesn't have one. I know Wandale scored one last week. It's no just Paris Campbell doesn't have one. It's just like no holy. Hodgins who had a bunch last Hodgins year. Hodgins had one against Arizona. Oh yeah, he did catch one against Zone. I remember that now. Yep, and, yep. And now we got Sterling Shepard who has one, which we'll go over here because holy crap, that release was beautiful. Was I know beautiful. you must have loved that release, Sterling Shepard. But first, before we get into that, quarter three, four forty left, a first and five after a uh, offsides penalty. This is the Duran Bland interception from cover four. And you can just see Bland. Once he sees it's, it's a cross, I'm just going to sink underneath the post. I know exactly what's happening. Let me flip my eyes around, and I'm going to intercept this pass. And that's exactly what happened. It's just it's predictable at this point when the yeah. Giants do attempt to take these under center single back shots. when they are And in you this guys have watched the tape with us so much, right? Like how many times have you seen this exact two-man route combo? A lot. Quite often. Quite often. And it's like – is that on the coaching? I don't know. It's just a question worth asking. Yeah. And this ball too, like it, it's not terrible. It's not, it's not a terrible. terrible. It's a lot better than the one last week, which was it's definitely better than the one last week. Yeah. This one at least better than the one Cooper rushed through for an interception too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but Bland is right there. I think that's Bland. At least. Oh, yeah. Bland. Imagine if you had to watch this as your quarterback every game. No. Yeah. I'd be a jet fan. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Here we go. Here is my last play that we'll be going over. This is the touchdown to Sterling Shepard with four seconds left in the game. You can see the bottom of your screen, Sterling Shepard right here. Just an insane release. Hezzy. That's Sterling Shepard right there, man. He still has it. It's so odd, man. This has been such a weird season, and I love Sterling Shepard. I know you love Sterling yeah. Shepard, but, like, why is he on the roster? If, if like, you're know. trying to compete, like, he wasn't earning any snaps basically throughout this entire season. He doesn't play special teams. Right. It's really just like, hey, you're the longest tenured giant. You're a good locker room presence. Here's a roster spot. And it's just, ah, I, like, with all the other roster gymnastics the Giants have had to, had to do this season, it just seems, I mean, I, I get it from the locker room standpoint, but I don't know, man. It seems somewhat like a luxury, no? It definitely seems like a luxury. And I think they believed before the season they could afford to carry a luxury because they were trending in the right direction. They had won that playoff game. Um, and you could use someone like that who could help, you know, the locker room stay as high as it was on itself. But as we've learned through watching football through the years and false positives like the Joe Judge 2020 back end of the season where people are like, oh, my God, we're building culture. This is amazing. And then they blew it in 2021. The only way to keep a winning a, co a good culture is by winning football games. There is no other option. That's it. That is the number one. That is number two. That is number three, number four, number five. This culture was amazing last year for the Giants, Nick. You know it. I know it. We celebrated it. It was obvious. It was palpable. This same exact group is now a quote-unquote bad culture team this year. I wonder why. Because they're not winning this, this year. So Yeah. Unfortunately, but if Sterling Shepard was able to run routes like this, which I'm sure he is, I think he is. That's the funny yeah. part. Like, I still think if he got routes and he had competent quarterback play, he could be productive. Look at that freaking route. It's just a crazy release, man. He stays square to this defensive so back. Square. 
he gets this defensive back to to shift inside and look how much space at the break is there for Sterling. Right. This is in the red zone, man. There's not a lot of space to operate, nope. as New York Giant fans know. And you can see he's wide open. This like I could have threw a touchdown. Yeah, pass. he creates three yards of separation almost on a on a red zone route. Like that's just insane. And it was a great route from Sterling. Shepard. I love Sterling Shepard. It's just I don't know, man. You, you think I told about you the hot take from Turchin from years ago, right? I've told you that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And he believed yeah. he was a better out runner than Odo Beckham. I don't really think it's, I don't think it's that hot though. Either. I think a, any Giants fan who heard that or hears that now would think it was an insane thing to say. Yeah. I don't know though, man. Cause there's a difference between route running and, and, and being a good receiver. Yeah, exactly. It didn't make him a better receiver than Odo Beckham at any point in his career. Just better yeah. out run. No, nah, I feel you. All right. So that's all the plays we have for today, Nick. Um, and for those listening and watching on YouTube, is there anything else you wanted to say about this offense before we bury the tape like the Giants shirt certainly did? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, well, we're not doing superlatives for today, by the way, for the offense. Yeah. We'll do some on yeah. defense, but there's yeah. just we're not going to find a best throw. We're not going to find a. I mean, we could you could look for routes, but it's just this is not a superlatives kind of podcast for this this game. No, unfortunately, no. I'm just waiting to turn the page to next season, as every Giant fan is, yeah. and hopefully. What I hope to see, if we want to have a little conversation here, sure. is just some more from Ben Bredesen. This was a bad game. I mm -hmm. want to know if Ben Bredesen is going to be, I don't want to say a long-term fixture, but how long is he going to be here? Is he going to be here for next year and then a year after that? That's something that I that I, I would like to know, specifically more so for the year after that, obviously. And then um, John Michael Schmitz. I want to keep seeing progression. Yes. I think this was a, a step in the right direction. It wasn't a perfect game, but he um, he was probably the second-best offensive lineman, in my opinion. He was. He was. Other than Andrew Thomas. And uh, I don't know what to expect from the UNC guys like Marcus McKethan and obviously Josh Azudu is out on IR right now. Yeah, so I'm still like, watching this offensive line very intently. I think that's the saddest part, too, about this season, Nick. It's like a lot of the guys who we need to evaluate to see how they're going to be moving forward in this final stretch of like dead games are injured. Azudu, Neil. Yeah. Like this is just annoying as hell to not only like I don't remember that many injuries of key guys we were trying to evaluate in the Joe Judge 2021 from, but maybe there were. Um, that research said so few guys anyway because of Gettleman's drafts. But I'll say this too, dude, and I want to get your opinion on this. It must have been so frustrating being like Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton, and I could see why because like yeah, dude. We were like I was watching, you know, obviously the whole entire game, but I'm sitting there, you know, it's the fourth quarter, Giants are getting blown out, and I'm seeing these guys explode off the yes. line. Fire off the line. They have leverage. They're open, kind of, but the ball doesn't go to them. And I'm not even looking at Tommy DeVito being like, oh, you suck. It's your fault. It's right. not. It's just like the state of everything. But like, imagine how frustrating that is to be yeah. a wide receiver and you're just running every single route at 100% and you just know the football more than likely is not going to be right. Exactly. That's crazy. That's why I don't judge these receivers based on anything I see on tape. There's nothing to negatively judge them on, but it just from a, you know, overall human being standpoint, it does sound, it would be suit like, and just think of like one, one player specifically Jalen Hyatt, for example, right. Yeah. Who unfortunately left this game with a concussion, which is just another thing that's, that's frustrating. Cause we were looking to evaluate him though. We can't really evaluate him with Tommy DeVito quarterback anyway, but you go from the Josh Heupel offense in one in one in transition of one fall to the next fall. You're going from the Josh Heupel offense where every play of the ball could be coming to you, no matter what route you're running. And you're only running a few routes when you when he was with Tennessee. And they were all potentially explosive plays. And then you go to this where you're just running these routes, knowing the ball's almost definitely, not even probably, almost definitely not coming your way. 
yeah, it's it's wildly frustrating. I'm not sure if the uh, background noise of my HVAC is, is no, coming. I didn't hear that. No, you're good. No, nah, man, it's that's that's one thing that definitely stood out to me in the second half was how sure. hard they were still exploding off the line of scrimmage. And it's like maybe they'll, like I don't think the locker room is lost right now, but I think the questions that the media is asking it's very fair. It's very fair with all the noise that have kind of surrounded mm -hmm. the Giants. We didn't see any of that last year. We thought we were beyond that, and that was more of a Joe Judge era type thing. But now, I man, Brian Dable was so terse in his in his uh, uh, post game. You could tell he just did not want to be there. And who the hell could blame him? But at this point, man, you got to face the New York media, and they're loud, bro. Yeah, yeah. This is what's going to happen now for these next seven weeks. We all know the playbook by now. We've been through this so many times as fans. Like, there's nothing to write about for these guys covering the team on the beat there's nothing to write to talk about with the games they're forced to try to you know drive some kind of um interest so like for us we like to talk about the draft and we try to find some tape stuff but their job is different than ours we are analysts and we are running a podcast that so we don't have to report on the team from a beat standpoint thankful i'm thankful for that nick by the way as i've told you yeah. over the years i'm my dream originally when i was a kid little dan schneier was to be a beat reporter for the giants thank god i didn't go that direction because that job looks just not up my alley whatsoever i mean i would have taken it in a different spin and approach and i would have made it x's and o's based and film based like i see some of the beat writers doing but i would hate to do like all the other stuff where you have to like do these like stories and like just shit that like doesn't i don't care about like i don't watch the giants to care if dexter lawrence is doing a media session after the game and i'm not taking a shot at art stapleton by the way you know if you're not listening but if you were art you would know that i you know me and you have gone way back i've been on your podcast we i have total respect for your you and what you do and I didn't even see any of that stuff anyway. I just saw your couple tweets you had on it. But my point being, like, I just don't give a f flying F if these guys are talking to me after games like that. I just, I wouldn't cover the team like that. And I'm happy that we don't have to do it like that, Nick, because what would we do as beat reporters for these next seven weeks where these are meaningless football games and they're, you know, the only place you could go is really negative. And then they go negative or they want to go negative. And you see Pat Leonard at his report yesterday about, uh, it's going to be the Giants are getting fired. Um, you know, Jonathan Jones for CBS Sports, who has a much better track record than Pat Leonard, said the opposite. And he said they're both safe. Um, but he also said the Giants aren't going to hesitate to take a quarterback, which I thought was very interesting. And that shouldn't surprise anybody. John Mara, like, begrudgingly fired Joe Judge. He did not want to fire Joe Judge. No. It was time. Joe Judge, after the Chicago loss, went on like a six-minute tirade, and everyone's like, dude, are you still talking? The media right unraveled him. The media is such savages. Like, it's not even just the media, though. It's the fan base, too. The fan base is wild on Giants Twitter, just broken and wild in so many ways. Um, back to that 2021 season, man. And I'm just like, I, I, we watched it all happen. We're like, yeah, that was a little odd that we were covered. We're like, that, rant, that was yeah. a weird press conference right there. Hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. And then the next week, Jake Fromm is taking knees. And we're just like, and I remember I was like, bro, I kind of get it. I don't think you do it, but you're just like, this guy can't complete a pass right now. You're quitting on your guys by doing this, but he's like, threw a pick six last week against Chicago. He's like, we can't do this. And I'm just like, but the message that sends, oh God, man, then the players aren't going to play for you after that. And yeah. by that time, the locker room was so lost. And that's, if I'm Brian Dable, just got to ensure that that doesn't happen. As we've yeah. said over the last several podcasts. You do have to ensure that. It was different for me at that time because I was so out on judge for a while at that yeah. point. And I think it has come out since that everybody felt like they were walking on eggshells in that locker room, afraid 100%. to make any the smallest mistake. I don't think that's the case with Dable, um, but I do know that any locker room like that never works besides the one, and that's the Bill Belichick time. It's literally the only guy who's ever been able to pull that off. 
in a long time. I'm sure, you know, Parcells had similar, similar type locker rooms at the time, but again, and he was able to pull it off, but these are also very different times. That was the eighties and the, and the late eighties and the nineties, like human beings were just different. Kids were different. There wasn't social media and there, it was way more of a coach's league than a player's league back then. Now it's way more of a player's league. So that type of bullshit just didn't work. And I knew it would never work with judge because of that. Personally, the minute the lapsed shit started happening, I know some giants fans again, celebrated it, but it was never my cup of tea. But with Dable, it's like, you know what's going to happen now, Nick? He's going to have to try his best not to have that kind of Joe Judge rant because if he does, that's when you can these these people can really pounce on him, really get after him, and really you know rev it up. I think Dable's media savvy though. He, he seems is. to me to be media savvy, more media savvy maybe even than Joe or Joe Shane. And I don't think Joe Shane is bad with the media by any means, but I think what we saw throughout this offseason, I think Joe Shane maybe showed more in his press conferences and when he talked to the media and said some things that I'm like, it's not bad that he's saying this, but you're giving away more than maybe you have to. Is that mm -hmm. fair? Or Stable no, doesn't really say shit. Dable says nothing. Yeah, nothing of interest. To, Kafka, to, don't say anything. Yeah, Kafka and Dable give you nothing. Wink will give you an occasional, occasional, you know, interesting point. But the, yeah, those two aren't given much, but probably for the best. But it's going to be an interesting final seven games because... Obviously, with DeVito, they're not competitive now. They're probably going to turn back to Tyrod Taylor. And then, you know, short-term-wise, Nick, me and you get a little boost of, of um, what's the term? Serotonin? Is it that what it is? When the happiness? Is that the? Dopamine. dopamine, not serotonin. What is serotonin? It's like judges your moods. That's another, yeah, uh, another one of these. So I wasn't too far off. But uh, we'll get an immediate boost of dopamine because at least the film will be more passable and we can start to evaluate players like Hyatt again. But also, it could be a obvious blow to the future of this franchise if Tyrod comes back and wins a football game or two for the Giants so it's like that juggling so it's like that we're in a lose-lose situation for the most part the rest of the year um but we'll see how judge I mean sorry, sorry we'll see how Brian Dable deals with it that's the second time we slipped up and said judge yeah we were just talking about it this one. yeah no but still man it's not good for Brian Dable yeah. <laughs> all right that's all we have for today in the offensive film breakdown in the last five minutes of just Giants talk more of Giants talk coming your way. We're going to have a defensive film breakdown coming this week. Thank you for tuning in, or coming so shortly, I should say. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. Keep it locked and loaded, even in a season like this. Please show up when we do lives on YouTube. Mailbags will be calling for questions. Rate and review on iTunes if you haven't already. Like and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. We do really appreciate how every time we do go live, it seems like people are donating to us almost, not almost, literally every time. Some repeat donators as well. Really appreciate that. We'll have something different set up for the offseason as far as that goes, because I know a lot of you don't have access to or use YouTube. And to be quite frank, uh, this isn't the best setup for us going through YouTube. So we'll have something interesting that I'm cooking up in my head and Nick and I will discuss and figure out for the offseason because it's going to be a big offseason. It's going to probably be even more content than we have been giving just because there's a lot more to talk about when you're talking quarterbacks. There's just so like you can, we can probably do literally game by game type podcast, breaking down tape on a quarterback. That's how much, you know, that's if we wanted to, that's the type of, you know, depth that it requires to, to, to cover that position. And even then Nick and I are not going to have all the information. That's the scary part, Nick. We're not really going to have all the information on these guys. We don't know anything about their personalities or their ability in the, you know, in to, to, you know, read the, to set up the board and to process film. So, it is what it is on that front. But anyway, thanks again. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.